Good to be together. Thanks for being here. For those of you joining online, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. It's, um, how about just a, a shout out to our kids, crew, team. The rooms are full downstairs and we got that back up, up and going. There's been a lot of volunteers working behind the scenes to make this happen. And um, it's been sitting empty for quite a while. So as you can imagine, there were a lot of cobwebs that needed to be dusted off in order to make this happen. So it's been, it's been pretty awesome. Um, my name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. And before I uh, begin with today's message, I just want to acknowledge that we have uh, Pastor Dennis and Donna Burrell who are joining us uh, this morning. And they were, um, they were, they had, uh, they had pastored CCC for a season of 27 years. And so welcome. We appreciate you being here and, and we thank you for, for all that you've done for our church. And also, the Reichs have made it all the way from Arizona as well. So the Reichs are here joining us too. So um, they, within, um, within, gosh, we were saying like within four weeks time, it was candidating weekend and now you're Massachusetts. So it's pretty awesome. Oh man, it's, it's, um, it's exciting. And yeah, so no pressure for me, right? This will be good. Yeah, you got this. You got this. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> um, no, but it's pretty, it's pretty awesome because, I don't know, you ever, you ever have moments in your life where you can just see God kind of just doing his thing, and you're like, okay, like I don't, there's not much searching going on through this season. Like God... Sometimes he kind of two by, I call it a two by four to the face, or just rings that bell with a resounding gong and lets you know, like, hey, this is what I'm up to. This is where my heart's at. And so uh, when I was given the opportunity to teach this weekend, um, I knew exactly what I wanted to share. And then just hearing about the Barils joining us, the Reichs being here, kids, community kids starting up, the new elders coming on board. It's like, okay, God. I get it. I'll share. A few weeks ago in our staff meeting, during, as part of our staff meeting when we begin, we, each of us every week will we'll share a small devotional with the rest of the staff. And a few weeks ago, I shared with the staff how the spirit had just been moving in my heart with a strong sense of a generational mindset. The idea of a generational mindset. I felt like God was just telling me, like, Chris, remember, I'm a generational God, I move through generations. The, the way that I even choose to relate to you as my children and, and as your father, I speak in generations and seasons and change. So that idea of legacy has been really heavy on my heart. That idea of what I'm passing on to my kids, that idea of God moving through seasons, there's arcs that happen and there's, there's appropriate seasons where we're called to really lean in and step out and courage. And then there are also seasons where we are called to pass it on, to give others that space to flourish and to grow because God moves through generations. Part of me thinks, you know, God being timeless, sees all and knows all in our finite humanness. God's mission has to move through generations. We're not eternal. The message of God and the heart of God moves through generations. Generation to generation, 
as we rejoice in the rhythm of God. And so I wanted to look at Psalm 145, the first seven chapters of Psalm 145 this morning, and see where from David's heart, how he understood that generational mindset and the responsibility but also the opportunity that that provides when we're able to kind of cultivate that perspective in our hearts. But before we do that, I want to take a moment to pray. We'll ask God to reveal himself to us for his spirit to work in our hearts as we lean into his word and as we learn more about him. So let's pray. Father God, we surrender. God, you've chosen to, to speak to us through your word, <clears throat> through one another. Help us now to yield our hearts and our minds to your spirit. As we look into your word and as we consider these things, that you are a generational God, that you move through generations, how that applies to us, Father. We pray for your spirit to stir in us now. Reveal yourself to us now. We want, with expectation, God, we want to come out of this morning just growing closer to you, more in love with you, and more sure of our identity in you. Do that now, Lord. We invite you to do that. We surrender before you. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. So Psalm 145. Psalm 145 is the last psalm attributed to David as the author. And not only that, but it's given the title, A Psalm of Praise. Now David wrote 70-something psalms, but this is the one, one psalm that is David's, it says in the subscript, David's Song of Praise. So this could be considered kind of David's pinnacle of praise. And we can sort of see that in the artistry and the structure of this particular psalm. In the Hebrew, this psalm is an acrostic. So every line of this song begins with another letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It was written this way so that, they, that it could be easily memorized. So I'd like to read that together now. I'm going to read from the NIV, Psalm 145, verses 1 through 7. A psalm of praise of David. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Do you think David is worshiping here? I mean, it's just flowing out of him. As I've been studying this psalm, I'm like, man, if heaven is a place where I get the opportunity to meet David and David gets to sing for me, I'm going to say, man, can you sing this one? Can I hear you sing this one? It goes on. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully, joyfully sing of your righteousness. David's psalm is a psalm of praise, and it's a reminder of praise. 
the way that it's written, even, even to this day in Jewish tradition, the tradition is to recite this twice in the morning and once at night. And it's written in a way that it is easily memorized and easily recited. It's a mnemonic device. It makes me think of that travel game or that picnic game where you're like, I'm going on a picnic and I'm going to bring awesome apples. And then the next person says, I'm going, to go, uh, I'm going on a picnic and I'm going to bring awesome apples and big binoculars or whatever. You ever play that game as a kid where you're, you have these words and you're, you're setting it up structurally. This is set up alphabetically so that it's easily memorized. It's a reminder of praise. And look at all the calls to action in the second half of what we just read. All those action verbs. It starts in the first section with exalt, praise, commend, tell, speak, meditate, proclaim, celebrate, sing. Why is David writing with such artistry? I don't know if I could write a poem where every line begins with. I'm sure I could, but probably wouldn't be that good. Why is David writing with such artistry and memorability? David, being a man after God's own heart, would have sensed that a generational mindset is also close to the heart of God. Would have known and seen how God moves through generations. And part of me wonders, as I read that, if, if David had this sense of responsibility for each of these action verbs to proclaim the works, the mighty acts, splendor, majesty, wonder, power, greatness, goodness, and righteousness. Would he have sensed that generation to generation responsibility and opportunity to proclaim these things, the importance of them? It would make sense to me why he would write a poem or a song in such a way that it's easily memorized because I knew all too well in my own heart in the day-to-day, and David had a lot more going on than I have going on in my life. But it's hard. It's hard to set aside that time. You almost have to remind yourself to remember. Maybe it wasn't a struggle for David, but I do know it's a struggle for me. It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day. It's easy to get caught up in the busyness of life. It would make sense to me why David would construct the psalm this way. I wonder if he understood that responsibility, though, towards generations past and generations to come to proclaim the works, mighty acts, splendor, majesty, wonder, power, greatness, goodness, and righteousness of God. David knew how to worship. We already know that. But he would have also understood how his worship moves from generation to generation, how it affects generation to generation. He was singing about it. I love how R.C. Sproul puts it. And that praise is for all tenses, past, present, future, past generations, current generations, future generations. And the structure of this psalm, he would have known the importance of generational worship. God is worthy of our praise from generation 
to generation. The importance of extolling and proclaiming and praising the name of God from generation to generation. Looking back and looking forward because God moves through generations. What's that quote from the movie, God's Not Dead, that um, God, is, God is good all the time and all the time, God is good, right? God is worthy all the time and all the time God is worthy of our praise. When I say that out loud, I think to myself, yeah, that's, that makes sense. But then when I think of my day to day and I start to segment my life out, I realize, man, I don't, I'm not walking around thinking that constantly. I'm not constantly proclaiming. A worship not only reminds us of God's works, mighty acts, splendor, majesty, wonder, power, greatness, goodness, and righteousness, but it reminds, look in verse four, one generation to another. One commentary I wrote said, one generation will pass on to the next a language of praise. A language of praise. Just being, just being known as someone whose purpose and passion was to pass on that language of praise to the next generation. And I think this is why Paul instructs us in Ephesians 5 to be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that phrase again, one another, from generation to generation, praise of all tenses. Just like we read in Psalm 145, one generation commends to another. Paul instructs us to sing, make music, give thanks to God, to one another. It's our responsibility to respond. Maybe responsibility sounds a little too rigid, a little too legalistic. But what about this? What is our response ability? The posture of our hearts, how we respond to who God is and all that he's done. It's our worship. Our worship reminds one another of the works, mighty acts, splendor, majesty, wonder, power, greatness, goodness, and righteousness. That's what Paul's saying in Ephesians 5. And here we see that Dave saw, David saw this, I just called him Dave. David saw this as important as well. From generation to generation, rejoicing in the rhythms of God. Because in our response ability, there's also opportunity. David also knew this for sure. He knew how to delight himself in the Lord. Rejoicing in the rhythms of God. For David, they provided, and for us, they provide opportunity for rest. Look at Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
Why do we pass on this language of praise from one generation to the next? Because through our praise, God provides opportunity to rest in his rhythms of grace, opportunity to delight in the Lord, and we're passing this on from generation to generation, rejoicing and resting in the rhythms of God. That's what David's doing in Psalm 145. There's worship in those words. There's also comfort in those words. You know, earlier when I was sharing just how God was sort of lining up the week and this weekend and the opportunity to teach, I meant to say that, that in, among our staff as well, you know, we pray a lot or we say a lot that God's up to something. We've even said it from this platform before. God's up to something at CCC. God's up to something. Well, here's the thing that he told me this week. I'm always up to something. And the rhythm of God, generation to generation, is always up to something. God's always bringing things together. God's always writing his story. God's always good, God's always worthy, and God is always up to something. The good hand of God, that's a phrase that we say as well, the good hand of God is upon us. From generation to generation. And the question is, do we see it? Are we surrendering enough to see it? Are we pulling ourselves out of the busyness of life building into our hearts this posture of praise that, that David is emanating, even to, even to the point where maybe he's structured this in a way so that he wouldn't forget. He's building in this, these songs of praise with these alphabetical, acrostic, mnemonic devices so that he wouldn't forget. He's reminding himself. Look how many times it says I in those verses. I will do this. I will do this. Part of me thinks that David is, is just solidifying and solidifying and solidifying this posture of his heart. He's building it into his own life because he understands the importance from generation to generation. Sharing stories. When I think of you know, Bible stories and my church experience growing up as a kid. By the way, we, we should be so grateful for the spaces that we have downstairs with the classrooms and the TVs. And I've been working with Claire as she's been setting up all the lessons and all the, the tools that we have. I remember one of my Sunday school classes was on like the handicap ramp out the outside of the church because there weren't enough rooms. And when I think of these Bible stories, my brain always immediately goes back to those old flannel graphs. Do you remember those? The old flannel graphs with the, you know, the different figures that you'd stick up there to tell your story. Noah in the ark, two by two, Red Sea splitting. But when I think of the good hand of God, I think of the rhythm of God from generation to generation. All those stories are true and they should be taught. We should be teaching them to our kids. 
But for us, the Holy Spirit living in us, God is writing his story through us now. And I often wonder, like, what, will, what would my flannel graph, flannel graph look like? Like, if I could sell my flannel graph kit on Amazon to tell my story, what would be all the little cutouts that I'd be sticking up there? But the rhythm of God moving from generation to generation, writing his stories through us now. Man, I'd love to be able to sit down with Dennis and Donna and just go through the 27 years serving in ministry here. I, I imagine there'll be multiple times along that timeline where you could just say the good hand of God was upon us. The good hand of God was moving through us. We got to spend some time last night with the Reichs and just, again, their story of just four weeks of just Massachusetts. Here we are. He texted me this week, said, yeah, we're changing our licenses over. I mean, that's a, that's a big, that's like to think of the amount of time. I mean, but I know from your story, as I'm sure we'll hear, like the good hand of God just moving, the rhythm of God moving through your story. So the question is, do we see it? Do we see it? Are we sensitive to it? Are we willing to build this, this sort of posture of our hearts into our lives? We're proclaiming the, the, the works, the mighty acts, the splendor, the majesty, the wonder, the power, the greatness, the goodness, the righteousness of God. That's what David's doing in Psalm 145. And here's, but here's the awesome part for us is as the good hand of God is writing our story, he's drawing us closer and closer to himself. That through the, the greatest story, is that God, the creator of the universe in his grace, mercy, and loving kindness reached down from heaven through his son Jesus so that we sinners could be rescued from our brokenness and promised an eternal living hope. First Peter 1, right? That's a part of God's rhythm as well and he's inviting us into that. Would you respond if the good hand of God is touching on your heart for the first time, if you're viewing online and you're experiencing this truth for the first time, we want you to know that, that Christ loves you, cares for you, that he wants you to experience fullness of life within the rhythm of God. And for those of us who have been Christians for a long time, who have known God and walked with God for a long time, Maybe this is a rekindling. Maybe we go back and you read Psalm 145 and as much as it should be read and it should be taught, you know, this is David's psalm of praise. But you go back and you read that and then you write out your psalm of praise. What's your psalm of praise? You might not be able to be as artistic as David, what is that one thing that you want to remind yourself that proclaims the works, mighty acts, splendor, majesty, wonder, power, greatness, goodness, and righteousness of God? I think of our kids' volunteers as well. 
and just how grateful we should be for what they're doing in surrendering and serving our church and handing off this message, the good news of the gospel, handing it off to our children as well. But I also want to encourage each family here whose kid is down in a lesson space right now to take on that responsibility and opportunity as well. So write God's story. Write it on your doorpost, right? From generation to generation. Our God is a generational God. He moves from generation through generation. And we have a responsibility and the opportunity for generations past and generations future, generation present, to proclaim the mighty works of our God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, once again we surrender. Once again we acknowledge your goodness, your sovereignty, your power, your splendor, the wonder that we find in who you are. God, we can see that you move through generations and we can see as you've moved through generations here at CCC. We've given the opportunity this Sunday to just celebrate our church. Celebrate the people who are your church, past, present, and future. So I pray for CCC and for all of us as we move into this next season that we are fueled with that mindset and knowing that your history and your story goes far before us and will stretch into eternity after but that you've given us an opportunity to be a part of a pretty amazing thing. So we ask that you continue to do what you've been doing through our church that you would give us hearts that would rest and surrender to your rhythm, your movement. God, build your church, we pray. Build your church. We pray these things in the mighty, mighty name of your son Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.